Hey, glad you decided to check out Eastridge Church, specifically this message. Scott Moore is going to be talking about how we do not have to earn God's love. He just simply loves us. He just simply accepts us. Doesn't matter your good deeds. Doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter the amount of money that you make. God sees through all that. And he just says, hey, you don't have to do that. Rest in knowing that I love you no matter what. And God shows us favor through his grace. He shows us his righteousness. And how can we turn around and share that gift that God gave us with those around us? We hope that this message speaks to you. If it does, feel free to reach out to us. You can check us out at eastridge.church and also feel free to share it with those around you. All right, let's get started. Hey, I've shared this with y'all before. This is a standalone message today. And so this story I've shared with y'all before, I met Bubba Kathy, who's... um, one of the owners of, of Chick-fil-A. I met him at my son's rehearsal dinner about six years ago. And um, his wife hosted the rehearsal dinner. She was in charge of the food, the catering, you know, all that kind of stuff. They, go to, they actually go to my daughter-in-law's home church there in First Baptist Jonesboro. And so, man, it was just a phenomenal night. We did, I mean, I couldn't tell you how great that. And no, we didn't have chicken at the rehearsal dinner, okay? Uh, it was great food. Uh, it represented a great ministry of women that were either uh, homeless or on drugs. And man, just the way they had been discipling them and equipping them. Just a phenomenal night. And so I'm looking for Cindy, uh, Bubba's wife. And I just want to thank her for, for saying uh, and doing all that she did. And I find her. It's 1139. And she's just talking to these ladies like they're best friends. I mean, they you can tell there's just this bond between them. And when she got finished, I just said, hey, Cindy, thank you so much. And she replied, can you guess? My pleasure. It wasn't fake. It wasn't phony. It was it was a real deal. And so anyway, now uh, her, her husband Bubba was there, and I just saw him doing little things all through the night, you know, wherever he needed to help, put chairs out, whatever, you know. And so I'm looking for him. I, I want to thank um, Bubba for, for doing what he's doing and for all that he did. And I find him in the kitchen washing dishes. And so he wipes his hands off with a robe, and he says, Scott, my pleasure, you know. Well, I see him a few weeks later. Cam and Krista, before they go off to seminary, they're staying. Uh, Bubba's got a little cabin out there in, in Jonesboro, and they let missionaries and people that are just, you know, they're just here for a little while. They let them stay there. And Cam and Krista, after they got married, were going to Kentucky for seminary. And so he let them stay there. And so they, Cam and Krista wanted us to see the cabin. And there's this old F-150 red pickup truck shows up, and, and Bubba gets out, and he lets the tailgate down, and he grabs a chainsaw. And he just starts cutting up trees that had fallen during a storm on a property. You know, after he spoke to us, said, hey, and here's the owner, one of the owners of Chick-fil-A cutting up trees. And I just made the comment, um, Cameron's father-in-law, Mel, was there. And I made the comment to him. I said, you would think he would pay somebody to do that. And he said, Scott, I'm telling you. He said, I'll be leaving the church sometimes. And I ride by and I see Bubba's truck pulled over on the side of the road. And he's picking up garbage that somebody had thrown out on the street. 
he serves at his church. Mel keeps going. He serves at his church. He, well, he's greeting, ushering, you know, leading, whatever he needs to do. He's, he just serves all the time. Whatever needs to be done. Why do you think he does it? Why, why do you think he does that? Let me, let me tell you this. Now, he probably is not going to like that I'm going to tell you this, but it's on the World Wide Web. He's worth $8.6 billion, Bubba. There's a Bubba worth $8.6 billion. Only in Georgia would there be a Bubba worth $8.6 billion. Do you wonder what his motive is? He could have paid somebody at that rehearsal dinner to wash the dishes. He, he could have paid somebody to be cutting up trees. He could have just expected somebody else to, to pick up trash on the side of the road. And listen, he probably gives one of the largest givers uh, at First Baptist Jonesboro. So he probably could let anybody else sort of greet and usher and, and lead and serve on you know, committees and all that kind of stuff. Um, why does he do it? And let me ask you this question. Do you think he's going to heaven? Or have you ever had this thought do you, about yourself or, or maybe about him? Do you think he's doing that so he might go to heaven? I agree with you. Bubba's act of service... Those good works, those deeds, those are evidence that he is going to heaven. They're, they're not so he will go to heaven. It's, it's evidence that he is going to heaven. I speak with people a lot, you know, and um, the older I get, the more I think I need to tone it down a little bit because people go, man, that's a lot. But one of the things I ask people, Christians, non-Christians, hey, do you know if you're going to heaven? And Christians respond more with this answer than, than non-Christians. Well, as much as you can know. As much as you can know. And they're sincere about it. It's not a... I don't want a, a different answer from them that's not true. That, that's the answer that they give me. So I have a goal today. My goal today is for you to know for sure, one, one way or the other, my, my goal today is that, hey, you know without a doubt that, that when, when this time ends here on earth, because of your faith in Jesus, man, you, you're going to heaven. Or I want you to know without a doubt that you realize you just thought you were saved. And that you'll choose salvation in Jesus. How do we get confused on this? Some think they're saved because they go to church. Some think they're saved because they've been going to church ever since they were born. Some think they're, they're saved because they were born into a Christian family. Some think they were saved because they, they live moral lives. And some think they're saved because they help others. Some think they're saved because they were sprinkled as a baby. Some say that they're saved because they were baptized. Some say they were saved because they're Republican. And some think they're saved because they're Democrat. No lie. But how can you know? How can you know? Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. For, for it is by grace you have been saved through, through faith. I am saved by faith. That's it. 
That, that, that's it. it. It's the only way to salvation. It doesn't matter if I'm worth 8.6 billion or I'm worth 8.6. It's by faith that I'm saved. It's the only way to salvation. But, but what is faith? I'm reading a great book on, on John Wesley right now by a guy named Fred Sanders. And Fred Sanders defined faith as this. As this. Faith is both total reliance. and Listen. It's total reliance and coming to rest upon Jesus as our atonement. Now what does atonement mean? It means our sins are, are paid for. It's faith is total reliance and coming to rest upon Jesus as our atonement. Listen to these words. It's reliance and rest upon the fact that He paid for our sins and our life is given for us and He's living in us. I'm going to rely on the fact that He's forgiven me when I was at my worst. When you and I were at our worst. Man, we just heard Kurt talk about King David. Listen, God forgives us even at our worst. How much more does He love us and forgive us when we are His children? And so through faith, I'm I'm going to rely on that and... I'm going to rest in that. No more striving to earn it. I still feel like there's a lot of people in in our church and in churches around the country, maybe around the world, they're still trying to earn it. And all we have to do is rest in the fact and quit beating ourselves up because we don't feel good enough. We just need to relax and know that He accepts you. Rest in that. I hope that's freeing to you. But it's not an excuse to sin by no means. Now we're free to be holy and and free to, to live, free to pursue and even we now even prefer righteousness over sin. Our, our sin, when we do sin, and we, we all do, man, now it's just like, ah, oh, I did it again. It sickens us, whereas before Christ, we lived for it. You and I will never be good enough. I mean, we'll never be good enough. I was standing in a circle with a group of people the other day and they were talking about can you believe we get to serve Jesus? And I'm like, man, I cannot believe that I get to be the pastor based on my past sins. He just loves you. These crosses, the cross of Jesus proves it. He loves you. It is by grace that you have been saved. Martin Luther said it this way. Listen to this. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. Faith is this living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a man would stake his life on it a thousand times. I am saved because of God's grace. And you know what? You have this living, daring confidence that you're going to... Well, listen to how he goes. I'll let Martin Luther. He's a much better theologian than me. This confidence in God's grace and knowledge of it makes men glad and bold and happy in dealing with God and all His creatures. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in faith. 
So a man is ready and glad without compulsion to do good to everyone, to serve everyone, to suffer everything in love and praise to God who has shown him this grace. And thus it is impossible to separate works from faith, quite as impossible as to separate heat and light and light from fire. It's by God's grace. And listen to what he says. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not, you, just, you, can't, you can't do it. I can't do it. It is the gift of God. People ask me, Scott, how do you get saved? And maybe you, you've wondered that. I could tell you my story. And my circumstances may differ and the names may change along with the time period. But I was saved the same way as everyone else. By grace. Faith and God's grace. It's all I can point to. I can't point to my good deeds. I can't point to money. I can't point to morality. I can't point to family. I can't even point to acts of service. The only thing you and I can point to when it comes to our our salvation in Jesus is God's grace. And I've been thinking, how, how how do I describe the grace of God. I mean, nothing comes close and nothing touches it, but, but let's say for a moment you won the, the lottery and you, and you didn't buy a ticket from a convenience store. You just robbed. That, that's the closest I can think about grace on, on, on a worldly term. You, you're awarded a, the winning lottery from a convenience store you robbed? See, by our very natures, we, we were sinners. By our very nature, we're, we're, by birth, we're, we're sinners. But we're saved because of God's grace. Jesus took our sin and in turn gave us His righteousness. When you trusted in God's grace by faith, Jesus took your sin. There's never been a greater trade than this. He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. You know, ooh, Scott. I don't feel it. No, I, don't, I can't help that. I'm just telling you what's true. And I want you to rest in it. And I want you to relax in it. I want you to feel free from it. You are the righteousness of God. Because Jesus took our punishment. He took our punishment. He took David's punishment for adultery. He took our punishment for greed and, and lustfulness and, and, and wicked hearts and, and making fun of Clemson Tiger fans. took our punishment so that we can enjoy not later, not not when we get to heaven, so that we can enjoy a, a right relationship with God our Father now. Not, not later. And yeah, it'll be perfect later. No distractions later. It, it won't be vague. I mean, we'll see clearly, yes, later in heaven. But we can enjoy and rest 
and relax in our salvation now. Same fellowship Jesus enjoys. Matter of fact, we're included now in this incredible small group of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God's children, the church. It's incredible. That's grace. And it goes on to say, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is the free gift to God. It's not by works. It's not by giving, not by serving, so that no one can boast. And I'll say this. I think this is more difficult, and maybe even by your church background, but this is more difficult than some of us are willing to admit because a lot of us in this room, we like, to, we like to earn our keep. We like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We don't like to be given points. Many of y'all know Kyle Anderson. He's one of our elders. He, was a, a, he played tennis for the University of Auburn. I played tennis for Berkeley High School. And we went out to play. He's beating me like a drunk. I beat Sammy one time. We'll talk about that later. But, <laughs> no, don't talk right now. Anyway. <laughs> And so Kyle, halfway through, says, Scott, you want me to take it easy on you? And I said, no. Uh-uh. You don't take it easy on me. I mean, if, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I get a point, it's because I earned it. I got one. <laughs> a lot of us are still trying to earn it. We're trying to work our way into it. So here's the question. When is it good enough? If, if that's the method of salvation, then when is enough enough? When is it good enough? So I want to say this again. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. Stop trying. Just rest in it. Let your soul rest. And the fact that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. For we are God's handiwork, he says. Now, we are God's handiwork. Now, we've been created in Christ Jesus. We're God's handiwork. It's poema. It means, you know, it's translated poem. It's a, a work of art. You may suffer or deal with self-doubt or insecurity like many, but I, I, I want you to know this. You, you may think, hey, I wish I could sing or, or lead or, or speak like so-and-so, but you are uniquely you by a sovereign God. You are uniquely you by a sovereign God. And He created you. And He fashioned you with the needs of others around you during this crazy, chaotic time in history. It is not by accident that you're able to do the things that you do and you've got these gifts maybe that you're discovering about or or even these abilities or even these interests to to help certain people. Listen, you are uniquely you, fashioned by God with the needs of your loved ones, the needs of your church family, the needs of your community at this crazy, chaotic time in history. 
spiritually gifted. Even just, even your abilities are, are spiritual. They're God-given. And you're thinking, what am I to do with this? I want you to write this down. I want you to overthink it. I want you to sweat it. And I want you to paralyze yourself and wondering what I'm supposed to do. No, don't do that. And you see a need around you. You fill it for the glory of God. You see a need around you and you fill it for the glory of God. How can I say that? Because you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Man, when you came to faith in Jesus, you're born again. You've got this rebirth going on, this recreation uh, happening again. And you're created to do good works in Christ Jesus. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. See, God knew that your friends, your family, your neighbors, those ones, He knew they would be around you at this time in history. And He created you and fashioned you in a way that only you can serve them. And maybe other people can serve them like you, but they may not have the relationship that you have with them. I'll say this one more time. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works in this crazy, chaotic time in history. So, encourage. Man, you see somebody that's down and out, encourage them. You may, well, they may not want me to talk to you. Hey, encourage them. Hey, buy groceries for somebody. Send a snack to the staff at the hospital. Send money to New Orleans. Make a meal, hold a door, lead a small group, work with teens, children, sing, run a camera, work on sound, pray, pray, pray. Because you were created by God for good works in this time. There should be no needs in our church family. Everyone in our church should have all their needs met. There should be no needs between first service and first service and second service and, and the South Newton campus. Everyone should be fed and clothed and housed and loved and nurtured and discipled and prayed for and cared for and taught and so much more. There's a phrase about the early church in Acts that said there was no needy among them. No one had need. And I've shared this before. Just remember being in fourth grade in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher were going through Acts, and she's talking about this incredible church that's serving like crazy, and the and just outrageous generosity to each other, and and that no one had need. And so little Scott raised his hand. What happened to that church? She said, Scott, Scott, where'd that church? Can I ask it again? What happened to that church? What happened? Are we so COVID-focused? 
Are we so financially focused? Are we so politically focused? Have we just been sidetracked by sin? Have we forgotten that we are saved by grace through faith? Not by works so that no one can boast. This is a, the gift of God. Have we forgotten that we were created in Christ Jesus to to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do? There should be no needs among us. Every person should have their needs met, whether that need be a physical need or an emotional need or a discipleship need, whatever it is. And every ministry and every church, not just East Church, but every church should be full of volunteers. Not because you're supposed to. Because we're created to do good works and to meet the needs of of the church family and not to mention neighbors and strangers every ministry should before ushers greeters preschool elementary building and grounds creative arts because of god's design of you because of god's design of the church because of the way he's uniquely created you to meet needs in this crazy, chaotic time in history. But remember, remember this, serving others is not the path to heaven, but it is evidence that you're going to heaven. I'll say that one more time. Serving others is is not the path to heaven, but it is evidence that that you're going to heaven. Earlier, I told you about Bubba Kathy living on $8.6 billion a year and, and doing good because of his salvation in Jesus. Let me tell you about another person. Doug Smith, member of our church. His mom passed um, last weekend, and we did the service this past Tuesday, her name was Sandra, and she was not worth $8.6 billion. Um, Sandra lived on um, $1,500 a month. And so she would set aside $300 of that to buy groceries um, for those in need. Um, she would go to the um, Dale Bread store, I believe it's in, in Monroe, and then she would deliver that to her friends, and then she would drive it all the way to Cabbage Town in Atlanta, to um, for the homeless there. She had friends that didn't have cars and she, she would pick them up and, and take them to and, and from work. And I don't have time to list all the acts of service she did. But again, serving others is not the path to heaven. It's just evidence that she's going there I'm going to tell you, without a doubt, 
I heard about how, man, she loved to, to watch uh, online church and she loved to watch TBN, yeah, you know, but she loved it. But what was evidence was the way she served with joy. So, have you taken time this morning to examine yourself during this message. Do not reverse engineer this message. <laughs> Don't do that. If you go sign up for something right now, then this is a bad message. It is by grace that we are saved by faith. Serving won't save you. It's just evidence of your salvation. Now the question is this. Will God save me? Does he want to? Let me read Ephesians 1.5 to you. God decided in advance. God made a decision long ago to adopt us into his family by bringing us, himself, us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God looks down on you if you're wondering if God wants to save you. I, I, this is going to be cheesy. You know what he says? My pleasure. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, you, you, you want to see something? You, you want God to be pleased? Believe the fact that we're saved by grace through faith. Man, it's such an incredible truth that you can live with this daring confidence in it. It would give him great pleasure today for you to say, God saved me. I believe that you saved me by grace. I believe Jesus paid the debt for my sins. It would give him great pleasure. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for these three verses. I thank you for Ephesians 1.5. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can be set free in this truth. So, Father, for my brothers and sisters that are in Christ... Father, there was a, a line from one of the songs that said, take us back to where we started. And Lord, I, I pray, God, that maybe that would happen. Those that, that need to hear that, Lord, that, man, they would go back and they would remember what it was like when they started their relationship with you. And how free they were. And how joyful. So, Lord, I pray, God, you would... Uh, Restore them to the joy of their salvation. Father, for those who have often wondered, am I saved? Father, I pray today that, Lord, they would just, because of what you're doing in them, they would say, God, will you save me? I want to trust in that grace. And, Father, your Spirit would just enter them and they would know that... 
they're your child and you're their father. And Father, peace and confidence would replace striving and doubt and wondering. And Father, maybe there's some that need to call on you for the first time. God, save me. Father, I pray the way they would feel your pleasure. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.